Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. I'm John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary, asking you yet again to consider Commentary in your end of your giving as we approach the new year. Commentary 501c3 nonprofit relies upon donors and your eleemosynary generosity to help close our deficit every year. This is our 76th year of publication. We've been producing the monthly magazine for 76 years. We have been producing our website for about 15. And the daily podcast is almost two years old. The podcast itself, five and a half years old. If you enjoy the podcast, if you if you take profit from the magazine, if you read our website, please join the commentary family of contributors at www.commentary.org slash donate. It is vital to us to continue doing what we're doing, vital to you. I think if you're listening to this, that we continue doing what we're doing and we need your help. So that is www.commentary.org slash donate. With me as always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior Writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And Associate Editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So this week, we're just trying to highlight the sort of the, 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 the cultural wonderments or lack thereof of 2021. And we're going to talk about movies today, movies you might want to see, movies you might enjoy. Christine, please get us started. What is the movie you want to talk about from 2021 that gave you pleasure or infuriated you? So I, I'm going to be very boring and say one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners also enjoyed, and that's Dune. Um, and I say this with one caveat, which is that uh, I did not see it in the theater, which I very much wanted to do. I used to see all these uh, sci-fi movies and action movies in particular with my children. But now that they are teenagers with groups of friends, they go to the movies on their own. And obviously they do not want their mother trailing around anywhere near them. So a few of the movies that I might have seen on opening weekend with my sons, they now see with their friends on opening weekend, they give me a review and then I go. Um, I, I do still plan to try to see Dune on the big screen at some point, but I really enjoyed it just as in this aesthetic experience. It was gorgeous. I had not read the books, but one of my sons had. So I, I uh, had heard, uh, he, he reread it actually before the movie came out with one of his other friends. And so they were discussing differences in plot and theme uh, that, that existed in the book versus the movie. But I just thought it was beautiful. It was beautifully done. The color saturation was amazing. The costumes, all of it. I just loved it as pure escape. Um, it does end abruptly because it ends in the middle of the story. So uh, I think the plan is to make at least two more in in, in the series of movies. One, I, one more, I think. One yeah. more. Okay. The, I hope that comes to fruition sooner rather than later. But it was beautiful. It was fun. It was an escape from life for a few hours. I loved it. Anybody else see it? I saw it. I saw it. My wife just loved it. Um, I, 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 it didn't do much for me. Um in part because I really enjoy the <clears throat> the books. I love the the series. There's a lot of media around it that I grew up with. There's like a PC video game that I ended I played when I was a kid. That was a Dune video game. So I really have I have fond memories of this uh, franchise. But uh, I, I it just didn't do a whole lot for me because it was so not because it was a bad movie. It was a good movie, but because it was so artistic and it was a multimedia experience. It was the sound design was was very impressive. The the director of photography did a fantastic job, um, but the storyline itself was didn't captivate me. And I continued. I found myself falling out of the actual narrative on a couple of occasions, which you know, frustrated me. Otherwise, it was a beautiful viewing experience, but not a memorable viewing experience, in my view. 
That's so fair. I, That's fair. <laughs> I gave it a very mixed review when I reviewed it for the free beacon. And 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 Christine, you are leading me to believe that I underestimated the movie in, in one regard, which is that as somebody who does know the book and loved the book as a kid and all of that, I thought the movie would be entirely incomprehensible to anybody who hadn't read the books because um, the you know, this is like the original world build, right? It's set in this universe 8,000 years in the future, uh, multiple royal families on multiple planets in a loose uh, empire confederation and uh, that is held together by essentially the oil of the of 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 the of the 11th whatever 11,000 AD uh, which is a uh, this um, spice, spice that can only be found on one planet that uh, makes interstellar travel possible, and um, and uh, the intri- a lot of palace intrigue, uh, you know, essentially like Game of Thrones or one of these other things, basically a kind of portrait of the Wars of the Roses, uh, you know, sort of into, you know taken taken into the taken into the far future. And um, uh, and a lot of it, I thought, uh, would have eluded people uh, who saw the richness of the book and the thing that made the book so so remarkable was that not the kind of not the science fiction stuff, but actually the kind of portrait of power politics uh, and 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 how it would play out in an entirely different uh, realm with entirely different facts on the ground. So um, if you were able to follow it and really able to, to you know, to get a sense of it without your son's, in, in, you know, uh, intervention. Well, I needed that. I okay. will say I, th- I had like the ultimate Cliff's Notes, which is a teenage science fiction fan who gave me right. a lot of that background. Okay. It, it okay. would have been harder right. to follow without that. Right. Anyway, I mean, the director, Denis Villeneuve, is is really um, uh, an extraordinary visual stylist and, uh, you know, he made, and this is not just a visual style, I mean, he made what may have been the best movie of the 2010s, Arrival, which is a science fiction movie with Amy Adams, that is one of the most inventive um, and emotionally resonant works of science fiction ever made. Um, and it, it's almost impossible to describe. It's about how how we would confront an alien uh, intelligence um, that has literally no way to communicate with us that we can figure out, um, and and it turns out that uh, uh, we are affected by that alien intelligence in ways that um, that change the very nature of time itself in the most moving possible way. That is a masterpiece. Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which he made after it, is one of the most visually striking movies ever made. More visually striking than Dune in some capacities, but not quite as resonant. And Dune is really beautiful. But like, just to just to finish up on this, like, uh, there is a there is a a bit of intrigue where somebody betray somebody in a royal family betray somebody who is a servant of royal family betrays the royal family. Um, and it just happens like it just happens. You don't know who the guy is really He's a doctor and he betrays somebody and gets them killed and all that. And in the book, uh, this does not seem to be a possible thing that could happen because all of these people who serve these royal families go through an intense conditioning and brainwashing and mind control process that makes it literally impossible for them to be disloyal and somehow part of the trick here is that people figure out some other intriguers figure out how to break that conditioning um 
and so uh, it explains why it was so easy for this to happen, but it's laid out so meticulously that it makes the book much more credible than the movie where it's just like, oh, look, someone betrayed this now, now, now the royal family is going to fall. Anyway, but Dune is well worth seeing. Uh, thank you, Christine, for your, for your advice and your guidance. Abe, you have a much more popular and... Uh, and maybe not much more popular, more popular. but much, much, much very popular. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's funny because in part, uh, I enjoyed this movie so much because I had was somehow shielded entirely from the hype around it. Uh-huh. Um, unlike Dune, which, for example, I didn't see because um, I, 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 what happens with me is I get so exhausted on the hype around something that I then don't feel like watching the movie. Not because yeah. I try to be contrarian. Yeah. I just sort of get my fill of it anyway. I stumbled upon, strangely enough, Free Guy, um, starring Ryan Reynolds, uh, directed by Sean Levy. This is a movie about a character inside a high-tech video game, a background character who sort of um, becomes cognizant, becomes conscious and sort of individuates and and becomes some sort of genuine entity and then kind of has to take on the powers that be within this game. I thought it was fantastic. I'm always all in when there's any sort of simulation, simulated universe theme that I've, you, you got that and time travel. I'm, I'm, I'm good to sit still for, for an hour and a half, two hours. Um, I thought Ryan Reynolds was great. He is a, a great comic actor and he brings this uh, energy uh, to every role or at his best that is um, sort of keeps you engaged without annoying you, at least me. Um, so I loved it. It was visually interesting, but that wasn't what I, I just sort of, I was I was in for the ride. Yes, it's a lot in certain ways. It's like uh, the Truman Show and other 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 movies that, that deal with similar things. I've kind of reconciled myself to the, to the idea that we're going to see very few truly uh, new premises uh, in, in, in the coming years, but I, I thought this was great. What's interesting about Free Guy is that if you look at the top 10 movies of the year, it is the only one with an original screenplay. Everything else is, as they call it, IP, is derived from a comic book or a previous movie or is a sequel to something or is based on a book. Free Guy is an original screenplay um, and, uh, and uh, you know, something that is will be a vanishing it will will vanish all but vanish from our existence as these things go. But it's a very inventive way of telling uh, this story. And I would say is emotionally more satisfying than the Truman Show, which is a fantastic idea to discuss. But I don't really think ever really quite got the emotional quality right because I think Jim Carrey was horribly miscast playing and he's so antic right jim right. carrey he's is antic and the whole idea is right yeah. and ryan that, reynolds that, i agree he was well, not. ryan reynolds is antic but i mean the whole point about the truman show is he's the only he's real charming. person yeah. he's the only real person in a world that is entirely fake and he's the star of a television show without knowing it and he's supposed to be real and honest and normal and everybody else is kind of slightly heightened like a tv character and jim carrey cannot play an ordinary person to save his life and it <laughs> ended up totally throwing the movie out of balance but yeah. okay we loved free guy in our household too that's a yeah noah what is your what is your choice so i struggle with this in part because we don't see any adult movies um every 
everything we see in this house is for children and everything we go out to see is for children. So I saw a lot of kids movies this year. Um, and a lot of them were kind of lackluster for me. Last week, we went out to, to the theaters to see Spider-Man, which was probably the best comic book movie of the year. Almost, almost the best comic. I'll say that. I'll preview that. Um, but it, it tickled all my right uh, nostalgic erogenous zones, which I appreciate, but I recognize as a trick and I don't like being tricked. Um, the, the one movie that I think I saw that the kids appreciated that I actually really, really enjoyed was Zack Snyder's reimagining of Justice League. Um, because a fantastic thing happened where they made a bad movie into a good movie. It was a, it was a, a, a miracle insofar as you can go back in time and transform this property that was just a cash grab a joyless slog that didn't really actually end with a with a satisfying uh you know uh release of the, all the narrative tension that i had built out and spun it out to six and a half hours and developed characters that actually had dimensions to them that these people all just all of a sudden became people they weren't just you know action figures uh and i found that to be a really uh, satisfying resolution of uh otherwise a lot of tension that had been built up around this movie and you, you can't have been alive i don't care about pop culture for the most part but you can't have been alive and not been aware of the tensions between the director and the studio and how joss whedon took over this project and how he made it in a way that dissatisfied its its original creators and writers and directors so there was a lot of anticipation around this and it turns out Sonny Bunch was 100% right that this was a, a much better uh, imagining of this universe and created a whole lot of characters that you actually cared for, which is something that was completely absent from most of, in, in a lot of the DC uh, offerings. So that's my 2021 recommendation. You know, I really hope, uh, Sonny Bunch is, as you know, a friend of mine and he's written for commentary. He is the, he works at the Bulwark now worked at the weekly standard uh you know as the culture editor of the bulwark and famous for being a, a an opinion troll on twitter and others saying things that get people hilariously angry uh, with his uh, uniformly bad opinions but in this case he spent like years lobbying warner brothers to release the snyder cut of justice league and i really hope that Zack Snyder sent him a fruit basket or something. I haven't asked him, but you know, I don't think this would have happened. And they committed an extra $60 million of Warner brothers to let this happen. This four hour version of this movie that he had filmed and then had, had taken away from him, recut, refilmed and turned into a disaster. I, I don't share this enthusiasm for it though. It is way better than the original, but nonetheless, as a, as a, as an act of, um, as an act of critical intervention uh, in the in the creative process in the United States, I'm not sure that I've ever seen anything like what happened here, which I do believe is attributable to Sonny Bunch, a man uh, whom I love, but otherwise has absolutely terrible opinions. So congratulations to Sonny Bunch and the fruit basket. And if Zack Snyder didn't send him a fruit basket, he's a bad person because he deserves a fruit basket. Uh, I... Uh, I think the best movie of the year is probably West Side Story, but I've talked about it so much I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I did see on Sunday night something really wonderful. And if you are of a mind to go to a movie theater, um, you should do so. And if you don't want to go to a movie theater, you can wait a couple months and see it on, on television because I don't think it's really going to suffer from being on the small screen. It's a movie called Licorice Pizza by Paul Thomas Anderson who made 
There Will Be Blood and Boogie Nights and Magnolia. And his last two or three movies have been terrible. Terrible. Phantom Thread uh, and um, The Master and uh, Inherent, Inherent Vice, all of which were bad movies and suggested he was heading in a very bad direction. This movie is a slice of life set in 1973 in the San Fernando Valley and is about a 15-year-old entrepreneurial actor, hustler, um, who uh, who falls in love with a 25, an aimless 25-year-old girl from his neighborhood who doesn't know what to do with herself and basically partners up with her in his in various businesses. He starts a, a waterbed business. He starts a pinball machine business. He's already been in the movies acting with Lucille Ball in a terrible movie about a family of 12 that you will recognize as yours, mine, and ours if you've ever seen that horrendous movie. Here it's given a different name, and she's called Lucille, not Lucille Ball, but played in a staggeringly wonderful five-minute performance by Christine Ebersole. And the whole movie is dotted in that way that Los Angeles movies can be dotted with small character vignettes about people in the show business industry um, behaving badly. So a Sean Penn in what is easily the best performance he's given in 15 years has a five minute appearance playing William Holden, who again, for some weird reason is called Jack Holden as a drunk lunatic, uh, uh, trying to pick up the 25 year old girl that our hero is in love with. Um, and he is hilarious and very, very brilliant. And the actress Harriet Harris plays a crazy agent uh, whom, who, uh, who maybe recruits the girl to become an actress. Uh, it's other, and Bradley Cooper in particular plays the coked up movie producer boyfriend of Barbara Streisand, John Peters, who is the only one named in full. And one can only assume that Paul Thomas Anderson had a run in with the real John Peters, who was a notoriously psychotic person um, and re crazy and violent and terrifying. And uh, he is all those things in this movie in a really funny way. Um uh, and uh, and it's really it goes on too long. It's a little too long. It's got a weird, pointless subplot about a about a, a mayoral candidate uh, and his private life that is sort of unnecessary. Um, but it's really quite beautiful. It's very funny. It's extraordinarily well acted. The the singer uh, uh, Alana Alana Chaim uh, is who has never acted before plays the plays the female lead and is sensationally good philip seymour hoffman's son cooper plays the 15 year old kid and is sensationally good and it's just a terrific piece of work so that's licorice pizza which is the name by the way interestingly enough it's the name of a record store in the san fernando valley from the 1970s the name is never actually spoken in the movie so it's weird you never like you don't go by and see licorice pizza you don't hear anybody saying let's go to licorice pizza so it's a very strange choice to have called it licorice pizza and why licorice pizza obviously is a lp right licorice pizza um but there it is and it has a fantastic score and as i say it's a little long uh and it goes on a little too long but it's um you know if you if you love movies and of the old style uh, that aren't just science fiction or ip uh, this is a movie for you so there we have it there, these are our picks the Zack snyder cut of justice league 
Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, Dune, and Licorice Pizza. Thanks for listening to this abbreviated version of our podcast. This week we are doing, as I say, cultural highlights and lowlights of 2021. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about TV. For Christine Abenoa, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.